When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast with me, your host, Louise Rumble. And today I am joined by integrative health practitioner and biology of trauma expert, Sarah Murphy. She is also an incredibly good friend of mine who has just generally provided me with so much love, care, and support on this journey through life and helping me to learn how to make friends with my nervous system. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. So if you haven't already listened to episode 108, I gave you a life update about how I've been flirting with depression and the freeze state. And one of the craziest things is what I learned from Sarah was to ask this question, am I actually depressed or is my nervous system shutting down and in freeze state? So many of you messaged me after that episode saying, oh my goodness, I can relate so much. Thank you so much for sharing. I knew I needed to get an expert on board. I knew I needed us to understand what is really going on here so we can really understand where to go next. So I think where we're going to start with today's episode is just first of all, getting into what freeze mode is and how it relates to the nervous system's response to stress or danger. So Sarah, welcome back. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us again. And let's just get into it. What is freeze mode? Hi, Louise. It's so nice to be back on here. It's been a while, but I'm actually so excited to get into this with your audience because this is something that a lot of people suffer from. So, you know, you just can't jump into understanding freeze mode until you hear and understand what the whole picture is and how our nervous system actually works. So you have to understand the nervous system and the different portions of the nervous system. And this is something that's so overlooked when trying to understand this freeze mode. So again, let's talk about the polyvagal theory when it comes to the nervous system. This is a theory by Stephen Porges, and he tells us how our nervous system works. And I think this is such a critical, easy way to understand the nervous system and its different states that we go in. And so why we get stuck in these states, you know, especially the freeze mode and that disassociated state that, you know, that we're going to focus on today. 
Yeah. And that is what you've taught me is that getting stuck in these states really can show up as our mental health. And so often we think about mental health as being something that just starts in the head, starts in the brain, starts in the mind. When you start to understand this, I guarantee you this might revolutionize your life because it certainly has done that for me. So we've already gone through this in some of our episodes together, but just to give everyone a recap, because you know we so firmly believe that when you understand this, everything just slots into place so quickly and so easily. So can you just give me a very quick recap of those kind of different stages, I guess, or responses of the nervous system so we can better understand how freeze can come into play? Yes. Okay. So you have to understand all of these states to understand actually what's happening. So the threat, this is our sympathetic, you know, our fight or flight state. This actually makes you feel anxiety and restless and activated. And, you know, you experience hypervigilance. You know, a lot of people will experience anger and insomnia. The threat is really that like hamster wheel, go, 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 go. A lot of people get stuck in that threat state. But Understanding more into the states, you have to understand where we actually heal, where we want to be most of the time. This is our parasympathetic state. So this is our social engagement. And so what that means is we're calm, we feel alive, we're connected, we have curiosity, we're feeling grounded, you know, healthy, safe, secure. This is actually the state where we can actually heal and, you know, the state that we want to be in most of the time. Not all of the time. People have to understand that we go throughout all of these states and we're not here all of the time, but it's a really, really connected, really important state that we have to be able to go into. So here we have this restorative metabolism. You know, we can only get healthy in this state. And this is actually the only state that we can move out of our trauma response. We need to be able to get this state to actually heal. And what people don't understand is that you can't heal unless you get there. Like you actually can't heal. Your nervous system will be dysregulated unless you get to that calm state. So if you're in fight or flight or freeze, your body is not able to restore. Your body is not able to balance. Your body is not able to process trauma. Your body is not even able to process your emotions. Your body is in fucking survival mode here. And so this is not a healing mode. I see so many people, especially those with anxious attachment styles, trying to heal, but their lifestyles are contributing to them being stressed out 24 fucking seven. And they wonder why their healing isn't working. They really have to understand their nervous system and that their thoughts are actually coming from their biology. You know, that's something, you know, a lot of people have to understand that, you know, your thoughts aren't coming from your head. It's the state of your body here. And so if we get into the fight or flight stress, our mitochondria here are revved up. So it's like driving a car with our gas pedal all the way down and it's pushing our engines to the max. So we're on this hamster wheel of stress. And then when you talk about that freeze understanding, again, this is the trauma response. We also call the freeze the dorsal vagal. And this is too much too fast, or it could actually be also too little for too long. You know, we feel overwhelmed, you know, heavy, exhausted. This is really the state where a lot of us feel depressed. You have this attitude of like, what's the point? I feel heavy. I'm living on autopilot and I'm just like going through the fucking motions. Here you really have trouble like making decisions. You kind of feel frozen to even make any moves in your life. 
And, you know, a lot of people can experience things like brain fog and concentration issues. And again, that lack of motivation and that lack of drive, everything feels so hard here. This is what we're going to talk about today. And this is what I'm so excited to talk to you guys about and for people to understand a little bit deeper. Yeah, that overview is so helpful. I think really understanding at any point when you can reflect and say, okay, which of those states am I in right now is a very foundational stage of healing, being able to say, okay, I feel anxious. My body is in fight or flight or, okay, I feel really lethargic today and I can't do anything and I have no joy and I can't have any, and I'm not able to make decisions. Okay. I'm in freeze. And then, you know, oh, I feel really calm and happy and loved right now and everything is good. Great. You're in that rest and digest. Understanding those three, I think are incredibly important. And I know that today we're talking about freeze and that's what people are here for. So let's get into that. I'd love for us to just go first of all into this question of is freeze and functional freeze the same thing? Because I think there's this misconception that if you are in freeze, if you are frozen, that you can't do anything, right? You're just like stuck, nothing. You can't do anything. But the truth is, is the society that we live in today, we have to do things. We have to go to work. We have to do client calls. We have to get the kids out of bed. We have to walk the dog. So people maybe do things and then they're like, oh, I can't be frozen because I'm still living life. I'd love it if you could just talk me through if freeze and functional freeze are the same thing, if they're different, what's going on there? Okay. So yes. So when we talk about functional freeze, it actually means like the degree of to which you are frozen. And so functional freeze actually just means like you're going through the motions of life. So your nervous system is in a state of freeze, but you're still going about your day. And so this freeze state kicks in usually after, you know, multiple stressors or prolonged periods of stress. And then it's like something happens and it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. And, you know, for some of us, we shift into freeze into adulthood when life just gets too much for us. But for a lot of us, this functional freeze actually started when we were children. And because going into that freeze was the safest place for us. So we had been under a lot of stress and that functional freeze is just how we deal with that stress. It's so important to understand that this freeze response can occur in the nervous system, you know, when an individual faces overwhelming or life-threatening situations, but also it doesn't have to be an overwhelming or life-threatening situation. It can be ongoing small stressors, you know, when the body is reacting to a perceived danger or stress. And I think that's so important to understand because what's perceived to one could not be perceived to others. So this is all bio-individual on how we react to these stressors in our life. One person can go into this freeze immediately after a small stress. And, you know, another person can go into this freeze over time after a lot of big stressors in their life. It's so important to understand that, you know, it's more powerful than our fight or flight response. And this means that, you know, we have all the adrenaline and all the cortisol but the body goes into complete shutdown here. And so the trigger is the overwhelmed stress response. No matter where that's coming from, no matter what your response is to that stress, it's an overwhelming of the body. It's important to understand that, you know, we have all this information coming into our brainstem from all these internal environment cues, you know, the moment that our cells say we are not going to be able to sustain that high level of energy for that much longer. So in order to survive, which means true homeostasis of the body means 
we have to look at it from a biological standpoint, you know, electrolytes in our blood, adequate blood pressure levels, a good heart rate, good oxygen levels in our body. When it senses that we may be revving these engines up for too long or, you know, that it was too fast, we need to shut down in order to survive here. And then that depressive-like state starts to set in. And, you know, call this, you know, I'm all about the biology. We call this a cell danger response here. So you can understand that there's dysregulation of the nervous system that doesn't let you transition out of each of these states smoothly. So instead of, you know, going in the fight or flight and, you know, resolving that issue, we go down into freeze because we actually can't flee from the issue. It's too much for our body. And again, that is the dorsal free state mode that you go into. I think it's so helpful the way that you explained to me previously, if you imagine like, you know, the phrase a deer in the headlights, where it's like the deer sees the headlights coming to it and it just freezes because it can't like get out of that situation. It's too overwhelmed and it just freezes the same as like a gazelle on the savannah or Sahara or, you know, that's really bad terminology for me, but wherever the gazelles (laughs) live in the world, they go into that freeze state because it's like, oh my God, I can't run away from this. There's a predator right there. And if I run, they're going to kill me. So I think that's really interesting. And also I love it how you've communicated clearly there that this is not an alternative to fight or flight. Like I always thought your body either went into fight or flight or it went into freeze. What you have taught me is that you go into fight or flight but it is an overwhelmed stress response. There's too much to process. You can't continue in this state. You start to see that in your body. Your body's like, nope, 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 I can't do that. And then it shifts into freeze. That is one of the biggest learnings that I have learned from working with you is like, this comes after periods of sustained stress, either in childhood or in adulthood. And I think it would be great if we could talk about the triggers for this, because I know that this differs from the normal stress we deal with on the daily. You know, that's more like the fight or flight response. And I know that there are two big triggers for going into this freeze response. We're going to go into lots more of them later in the episode and things that can exacerbate this. But I'd love it if you could just tell me a little bit about this too much for too long or too little for too long. Yes, this is so important to understand here. So first, the too little, too long. So this means that you're not getting enough of something that you need to be healthy, balanced, connected, stimulated. You know, think of it like too little joy, too little excitement, too little movement of the nervous system, too little stimulation, even too little stress stimulation. A little stress is good. You know, too little human connection, too little expression of that authentic expression of your soul too little for too long. And so you can see people who aren't able to connect to people around them or share their truth. They just have to shut down their own self-expression here. And so, you know, there's people who, you know, hate their jobs or, you know, their partners don't make them feel loved or feel heard, or you're, again, stuck in the rat race of life because, you know, you have bills to pay and you don't feel stimulated or you don't feel happy. Other examples would be, you know, not enough connection to yourself, not enough fun, not enough play. We often overlook how much our inner child needs to have fun and feel loved and to have that joyful play. And again, something that's also to note here is not enough nature. 
Okay, so like, let's say, you know, you live in the city, blue screens, fluorescent lights, phones, our body thrives in, you know, the most natural environment. And it can be so stimulating to the body being in these cities and having all the stimulation all the time. I am so happy you have just said everything you said there because this has been such a huge part of my journey is understanding you can read every self-help book in existence. You can listen to every podcast that is out there, but if you cannot share your voice, share your truth, be who you are, be in nature, move and shake and jump in the ocean and play and laugh you will never be able to heal that nervous system. And I've been guilty of that for so long, always in my head, always logical. Like if I just do this, if I just do that. And you know, our friendship is one of the examples of this. Like we say to each other all the time, and we've never shared this with everyone listening, that we are so grateful for each other because we can share every single thing we feel, we think, our fears, our hopes, our dreams, not only can we express ourselves fully, but we are met 100% by the other person fucking loving us, championing us, there for us through everything. And that whole human connection, we need to do another episode on at some point. It's been an incredibly healing part of my journey. So to wrap up my point, you said it's too little for too long. You've only got to look at childhoods and see what did you not have enough of in your childhood. So I love that point. And I guess let's go on to the next point. Too much for too long. I'd love to know about that as well. Yes. I love what you just said, Louise, because I mean, friendships are the most important thing. That connection with someone is very important to getting out of this free state. So we're going to go into that a little bit more. Okay, so the second thing that can cause the free state is like too much for too long. And so this is overwhelm of stress. That stress response is too much for your body. And this means that you're stressed out all the time. You are never coming back to the baseline. You are chronically stressed. You're chronically in an overwhelmed state. You're chronically getting triggered again, again, again. You keep getting triggered and the stress is repeatedly coming into action and there's nowhere to go. You feel like you can't get away from the stress response. You don't find a solution to it. And I think that's really big because the solution is the flee and going into freeze is basically when there's something that's blocking our ability to flee. And so that's the best way to understand that free state is like we're not able to transition. Something is blocking our ability to flee from the situation. So you can think of this as like the animal in the wild, you know, when they can't run anywhere, they just freeze. You think about the fight or flight and how it's supposed to take you away from today's danger and into a safe space where you can help regulate and deal with stress, deal with the issue or concern, and then you find your way back to balance. But in today's life, you know, that sometimes doesn't work and there's no escape. You actually just can't fight, you can't flight, and then you end up just completely shutting down. That is so well explained. I love that. And I think taking my example in Mexico was the perfect opportunity. You know, that's when I went into freeze and it was like, yeah, I couldn't flee because I couldn't just go home and leave the person I love in Mexico. But also there was no safe space for me in Mexico. Physically, emotionally, I didn't have really very many friends there. And I guess people can't flee when they have a child, when they have a family, when they have obligations. You know, you hear so many mums saying, I so desperately just need a break, but they physically can't. So that makes so much sense. And I'd also love to talk a little bit about this concept of 
conserving energy when you're in the freeze mode? Because I'd love to understand like why our body does this. Because you always teach us our body is trying to help us. Our body is trying to help us. Some people might be listening to this thinking, well, my body's shutting down when I have a whole life to live and five children to look after and a sick mum to look after and a dog and all these things. That doesn't help me. So talk to me a bit about this point around freeze is actually your body trying to help you conserve energy. Yes, this is such a big point that people need to understand, especially on the biological level of things. So look at it through the lens of conserving energy. You know, you can't sustain being stressed and you don't want to sustain being constantly stressed. So here it's a high metabolic cost for your body and, you know, your body actually can't keep up with it. It's very draining and it takes away from so many other processes that the body needs to conserve energy and resources. So, you know, if we look at it in the sense that our stress response is supposed to be short term, The moment our body and our cells say, I don't have these resources anymore to finish this, I don't think I have enough energy, or I'm already dealing with all these toxins or gut infections or poor health. I don't have it in me to face this problem or actually to take any action for this problem. It's so important to understand that you know, 95% of the time, it's actually our own body that initiates this immobilization. It's not the actual external situation. And so our body is signaling to us, let me hold back. I can't fucking keep up with this anymore. I can't deal with this. I need to go into freeze. I need to go into dorsal. I can't deal. Yeah. And also trigger warning, sexual assault. But I think we see this all the time, taking it out of the long-term stress context and into those short-term moments of overwhelm. We hear this a lot when we talk in the house in our sexual trauma group about people who have gone through some level of sexual assault, myself included. And in that moment, it is so overwhelming that your whole body just stops. You just freeze. And then there are so many emotional repercussions of why didn't I leave? Why didn't I say no? And what people need to understand if that is part of their journey is like Sarah said, your body was like, no, we cannot handle this. This is so unsafe. We're going to just shut down. So I think that is a really, really valuable piece of learning for everyone. And, you know, we've already kind of gone into these concepts of too much too soon and not enough for too long. But you've also told me that there are other reasons that the body can shift into this freeze state. And I'd love it if we could go through some of those. Okay. So the first reason your nervous system goes into the freeze state is the degree of threat. You know, how big is the problem that you're facing? When a cell is actively responding to something, it will need more energy to face that bigger threat. So the degree of threat is one of the factors that determines where the line is. You know, the bigger the threat, the faster the transition is. The transition can happen so fast that one might not actually even be aware of that freeze response. You know, you don't even experience that fight or flight or so you don't think. The freeze just happens that fast. And I know I was talking to you about a, something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was in a situation where this actually happened to me, you know, I saw someone from my past that really hurt me. And, you know, I, it's been a year since I've seen them and we were at a concert and, you know, he pulled my friend out of the crowd to say hello. And as soon as I saw him out of the corner of my eye, 
I was in a situation where I couldn't get out of that situation. He grabbed her and I knew that I had to confront this situation. And so he looked at me and I went into automatic freeze, Louise. Like I am telling you, I didn't even have the opportunity to even think this is danger. I had no words. My body completely shut down. I couldn't get out of it. And so that's that situation where like sometimes something can happen to you and you just, you can't even handle the stress response. You are completely frozen. Um, You know, I'm sure other people have been in these situations where it just happens too fast, that all you can do is conserve your energy at the time because the stress is too much. You don't even understand that you're in that fight or flight. It's freeze right away. Then there's a second factor you need to consider when your body is in the freeze straight. So this is something that a lot of people don't understand and what I like to teach, you know, the clients that I work with. So this is your baseline health. You know, one's baseline health of the nervous system and the health of your cells factor in the amount of stress that the nervous system is going to experience. So, you know, if your system already has deficiencies and imbalances, you know, you're dealing with a lot of oxidative stress or infections or toxins, this will speed up the transition from that active response to that thwarted movement. So if your baseline health is poor here, you will quickly go into that shutdown mode in order to survive. And then there's another one, you know, this is a third factor we need to consider. And this is the resources that you actually have available to you. How much energy do you have? How much money do you have? How many supportive people do you have in your life that you can reach out to for this felt sense of safety? All these resources determine whether the system will go into overwhelm or they'll be able to move forward or they're going to go into that freeze response. You know, do you have a therapist? Do you have someone to talk to about your emotions? So these are all the resources that are so important to understand in terms of if you go into that shutdown mode or if you don't. Yeah, it's really interesting how you're coming at this from the biological angle, which is obviously your angle as a biology of trauma expert. But for most people listening, they're probably thinking, whoa, I've never even thought about these things when considering the nervous system. So that's fascinating. And I think I also want to go into these like really specific reasons that your body can get used to going into freeze mode and how long ago some of them can start. Because you've taught me that these can come from things like trauma responses and your early attachment relationships when you were a kid. Let's go into some of these specifics, like one by one, that your body can basically go into freeze mode and then stay stuck in freeze mode. Yeah. So you really have to understand it like this. So there are things that can happen in your life that can block our nervous system from moving into the state of calm. You know, these things could be overwhelming and persistent trauma response loops, you know, traumatic events and early attachment relationships, you know, the biochemical imbalances, which you obviously just mentioned, it's so important, you know, the health of your mitochondria, if we're dealing with like mitochondrial insufficiency, you know, no one really talks about this, but Let's go through these a little bit. And so one of the first reasons that your body can stay in a freeze response and make you feel like you are depressed and in overwhelm is persistent trauma responses. So this is actually the habit of your body being trained to go into these trauma response. Once it starts going into that place of freeze, thinking it's safety, and that's the only way to cope. It thinks that 
this is the way it should be. You know, it becomes that automatic response. Things like, you know, you pick up the phone and you check your Instagram 500 times. You know, these things can become a habit and your nervous system can do the same too. It becomes a habit. So you need to rewire these neural pathways that, you know, made these trauma responses a habit. And this is where that deep trauma work comes in and that inner child work really comes in there because these were laid foundations when we were younger. Yeah. And something that I've learned here personally is that it's sometimes very difficult to even understand that you are in this mode until you start to do the work. So, you know, people listening to my life update might have been like, oh my God, yes, that's me. And I've gone through it with an ex-boyfriend as well. You know, when I met him, he was in the most extensive sustained experience of freeze. Like he had probably been in freeze for 20 plus years. And this might sound weird to people listening, but he genuinely had no idea he was in freeze. Like it took someone like me, like warm, loving, communicative, connective to come in and to say to him, Hey, you know, that's not usual. That's not how the body should function. These aren't the, the natural responses that you are wired to have that made him realize, Oh my goodness. I don't really feel, I don't really eat, I don't have an appetite, I don't get joy out of anything. So I think that understanding the the self-awareness and self-reflection piece on that trauma is really important. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Louise. So a second reason that your body can actually shift into this freeze mode is, you know, through traumatic events and early attachment relationships that you had when you were a kid. So it's so important to understand that early life experiences influence our neural pathways. You know, you learn how to deal with the stress around you. Life can be very overwhelming for children if they were involved in stressful situations or if they weren't attuned to as a child properly. The body says, no, I can't deal with this stress. I must immediately go into overwhelm and the trauma response. You know, in my fields, they call this HPA access dysregulation. And this is when our body starts to pump out stress hormones at all times. You have no window of tolerance for stress here. You can't handle anything. So everything is too much. And so you become an adult where, you know, you're so used to this state of just shutting down and going into freeze because you have zero window of tolerance in your stress response here. A third thing you need to understand if your body goes into freeze mode or you think you're depressed is the biochemical imbalances in the body. So the chemical imbalance theory of depression is a tiny part of the real causes of depression. So what people need to really understand is, you know, we need to look at things such as methylation issues, copper and zinc levels being off, something called pyrrole disorder. These are all biochemical imbalances that make these neurotransmitter imbalances that will make someone, you know, overly emotional and make someone not be able to regulate their nervous system. And so it's impossible to fix this dysregulated nervous system state if you don't fix these biochemical imbalances that are happening in the body. They really need to be supported and they can be supported. So I think that's huge for people to understand that the biology is really important when it comes to our emotional regulation and what we find stressful or not stressful. Yeah. And that is something you have taught me so much. And that is going to be a huge part of the open house journey, which we're going to get into at some point is these root causes of depression, these root causes of anxiety. You know, people are starting to, by being on this journey with us, understand that it goes deeper than even just the nervous system and understanding the nervous system is an incredible first stage of healing. And so if you guys are listening, thinking, what is she talking about? Methylation, pyrrole, copper and zinc. We are going to get into those later on in the podcast. But what I would say is that 
if you are at this stage where you are doing all of the things to bring yourself out of freeze, which we're also going to launch. We're also going to help you learn how to get out of freeze. But if you're doing those things and you're still stuck, then there are some even further root cause things like Sarah's just mentioned. And further along the line, she's also going to help you understand what you need to look into so you can make sure you have ticked off every single checkbox on the potential list of depression. You know, just going off of that. So the body can actually shift into freeze mode and, you know, that depression mode if you're dealing with something called mitochondrial insufficiency. So the mitochondria are what give energy to almost all of your cells. And so understand that trauma in the body is actually an energy problem. So if you don't have mitochondria that are working properly, you actually don't have enough energy to move out of this space. We really have to tend to the health of the mitochondria. And then fifth thing you need to understand if your body goes into the freeze mode and you know you think you're depressed is chronic inflammation in the body. Stress is just not mental. Stress is actually a whole body experience. It's not just happening in the head. It's actually happening in the body. And so this inflammation in the body can also be caused by things like bacterial and viral infections, you know, toxins in your body, any injuries that you might be dealing with. So when you're dealing with these things, the nervous system becomes dysregulated as well. So this will really stop you from coming out of the dorsal state and can also contribute to putting you in the dorsal state when you're actually so inflamed and your body can't deal with it. Yeah. And even just going through these things, you know, it it helps us understand how complex this freeze response can be. It could be things that happened in your childhood. It could be things that you didn't get in your childhood. It could be stresses in adulthood. It could be repeated stresses in adulthood. It can be biochemical imbalances in the body. It can be these deficiencies and things that you aren't getting from your diet, or maybe there's issues with your gut and maybe you don't have, you know, the efficiency in your mitochondria. So your body physically can't produce the energy that it needs to keep you in that state of like energized balance. But I think what we're taking from this section is there's a lot of things that can contribute to the freeze mode. And so this once again comes back to the point that you can't just read a book and heal this. You can't just go to therapy once a week and heal this. You know, we wonder why people are going back to these lifestyles based on ancestral wisdom. And we see people grounding. We see people going in the ocean. We see people raising kids in communes and in families and putting their feet on the earth and starting to eat meat and organ meats and all these things, getting sunlight on our eyes when we wake up and getting no blue lights on our phone when the sun goes down. These might seem like hacks and trends and things that people are just jumping on. But what I'm learning from living and breathing in this space is these are all lifestyle changes that ultimately help our nervous system function in the way that they're meant to. So they are not constantly stimulated and overwhelmed. So what I hope people are taking from this section of the podcast is all of these things that Sarah's talking about, they come from today's modern society. That is not to say that they didn't have inflammation in caveman days, but if you just look at the stresses around us and the pace around us and the obligations around us and the food we eat today and the pesticides and the toxins and the air and the water and the soil and all of these things, all of these things contribute to our nervous systems, which then contribute to freeze. So what I hope people are taking from this section is nervous system healing requires lifestyle healing. Do you think that I am correct in what I've just said there? 
Yes, you're absolutely right. The point being made here is to understand all the things in your life that are contributing to nervous system dysregulation and really understanding the effects that they're having on your body. There is no way that someone can heal on the body level, on the deep nervous system level to pull themselves out of these states unless we are consciously aware of what the things in our life that are putting us there. And that is on the mental, physical, spiritual every level. We all have to dig deeper into this and understand the things that are keeping us dysregulated. It's easy to think that there's a quick fix to getting us out of these dysregulated states, but realistically, there's so much involvement that has to happen in understanding what is keeping us in these dysregulated states. What in your life is causing these dysregulations from every aspect? That's mind, body, soul. We really have to dig deeper into, you know, why we can't get out of these states and understand where in our life has led us to where we are today. So that's really important to understand. And I hope that at least with this podcast, we're like shedding some light on, you know, where people can start to take some actions here. Yeah. And you also mentioned quick fixes. And what we're learning is that there are quick fixes that you can do, you know, breath and embodiment and cold showers and all these things. But if you do not make the lifestyle changes too, you'll constantly be coming out of freeze and going back into freeze. And I wanted to ask you if that's actually possible? Because I know with me, I go into freeze, but then I kind of push through it. And and then I spend a day at work and I don't feel so bad in the evening. Is it possible to cycle through freeze and come back to social engagement and then go into fight or flight? Like, is this cycling possible? Do you see this in practice? Yeah. So, so many people feel depressed and then they push through it. It's this vicious cycle between the freeze and the fight or flight. So it's normal that you might shift in and out of these states. And, you know, particularly if you force yourself to do things to not be frozen, this can be so hard, but it's possible. And so there are so many factors that can contribute to the cycling between these two states. But I think it's important to note here in regards to your situation, Louise, you love stress. A lot of us do. You know, it's the most common addiction. And for most of us who've lived in this chronic state of fight or flight since we were babies, this stress is our baseline. You know, it's a drug. It's this cocktail chemical high. So when you're feeling low, stress actually keeps you feeling high. And so, you know, some stress is good. It pushes us into action. Not all stress is bad. We need some stress to an extent. And so, you know, along with cortisol, it's so important to understand that our stress also gives us this dopamine and adrenaline. And this feels so fucking good to us. You know, this keeps us going. You know, this wakes us up in the morning. It lets us push ourselves. And I see this all the time in, you know, dating. You know, people thrive on the anxious avoidant trap. It's like, do they like me? Are they going to text me back? You know, they hate it, but they love it. They feel alive off of it, even though they want to cry. You know, it's this crazy paradigm that we're dealing with, but it's that, you know, addiction to our stress. It's pulling us out of that depression state. Wow, that makes so much sense because, yeah, I mean, I'm the first person to say that I'm addicted to stress hormones 100%. But when you put it in terms of like the anxious avoidance cycle or dating, it makes so much sense because it makes you feel in those moments, but also it's like painful, but you feel alive and you feel something in your body. So that makes so much sense. 
So if I'm not mistaken, is this why so many of us get hooked on these stressful work environments with like the job we hate, but we never leave and these stressful relationships where like some moments are amazing, but then you're just like waiting for a good time and you're so frustrated and even things like stressful TV shows, you know, watching them before bed. Is this kind of why some of us, you know, like these states because they actually bring us out of the freeze? Is that how it works? Yeah. So this stress is actually making us feel alive again. You know, this stress is bringing us out of our free state and putting us back into the fight or flight state. You know, when a person experiences stress, that actually jolts the body. And so what's actually happening is, you know, this hormonal response that we get from that stress is, you know, increasing our heart rate, our blood pressure, preparing us for action. And this is the complete opposite of what happens in dorsal, where everything is actually slowed down. And this stress also triggers fear, anxiety, and it wakes you up out of that numbness and that disassociated state. So here you're actually feeling feelings again. So while stress can temporarily bring a person out of the freeze mode, you know, it's so important to understand that chronic or overwhelming stress will lead to that dysregulation and put us back into that freeze mode again. We don't want to do this vicious cycle. We need to make sure that we're balancing this out. We need to make sure that there's not too much and not too little. And, you know, it's so important to understand that this stress helps you feel, but We have to learn how to feel without the stress. And that is a huge part here. Oh, I think this is really some groundbreaking stuff that you are sharing. And I know it's been a huge part of my journey is the whole time I say to Sarah, you know, because she knows how hard I work and how it makes my chronic pain disorder really bad. And I'm like, oh my God, I need a break. But then as soon as I take a break, I can't, I can't take a break. It's like, I have so many things to do. So I start doing them again. They pick up my phone. Okay. I'll do some TikToks. Okay. This, oh my God, that's exploded. Oh my God, we should do an episode on this. Blum, blum, blum. It just goes and goes and goes. And I'm really learning, you know, to put that phone down and go out into the garden and to get my feet on the ground. And it's really fucking uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest. Like, this is not an easy healing journey, but this is so fascinating. These highs, these chemical highs that we all just chase because they really make us feel alive. And that makes so much sense why people give up one addiction and they just replace it with another one. So I know we're coming up for time today, but I also know that there's more that you want to share around like the things that can cause this. And I think we want this episode to be relatable to everyone. And that is the thing about trauma. That is the thing about overwhelm. We are still breaking this narrative together and with everyone in this community and space that you have to have gone through something horrendous to have trauma to have something have happened to you to push you into this freeze response. So I know that in part two of this episode, we're going to tell people on how to start understanding to come out of this freeze state. And we're also going to launch our resources around that, like giving you literally the step-by-step on how to get out of freeze and the supplements you need and the neural pathways you need and the beliefs and the thoughts and, you know, these concepts of coming back into our body and releasing stored emotions and as well as an example day, like when you cannot get out of bed because you're in freeze, we have created you a step-by-step day, literally to hold your hand to help you through. That's all going to come in the part two of this episode. But as we come to wrap up today, I think it feels like there's still a couple more points that you wanted to share around things that can happen that can push us into the freeze response. And I would just love to hear those final ones from you. 
Yeah. So it's so important to, you know, understand some of the lesser known causes of this freeze response. Cause we think about, you know, stress, 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 trauma, trauma. Sometimes we're not realizing some things that actually can be traumatic to the body. And so I wanted to go over a couple of these with your audience. Okay. So the first one I want to go over is learned helplessness. This is experiencing a lack of control in various aspects of your life. So, you know, basically when you feel like you can't do anything to fix your life, your life is destined. It's broken. There's nothing you can do to fix this. And so we learn this helplessness and it puts us in this state of freeze response. Like you just give up. The situation is too hard for you. So you just have to give in. And so then there's, you know, repetitive emotional invalidation. And this is so important to understand when you're considering the freeze response. And so here you see, you know, frequent experiences of emotional invalidation where, you know, your feelings and your emotions are constantly being dismissed or ignored. You know, this leads to that powerlessness and the tendency to withdraw and freeze. So, you know, often people think that they weren't neglected or abused as a child and, you know, they have nothing to really be upset about. But as a child, that huge emotional invalidation happens when, you know, our emotions aren't validated. You know, sometimes it's unintentional. You know, sometimes the caregiver or your mother or whoever was taking care of you was away all the time or they didn't spend the time with you that you needed or, you know, you they went through a divorce. And in these situations, the children have huge emotions that are totally overlooked or even ignored because maybe your caregiver was dealing with the dysregulation in their nervous system and can't couldn't hold that for themselves. And so, again, examples of this would be maybe you were a child and your parental figure said, big girls don't cry or this doesn't matter. Don't be a baby or why are you crying man up? And so we learned that our emotions or our reality didn't matter. You know, our feelings did not matter. I'm so glad we're touching on these because I also think that there's really interesting things that can happen in adulthood that can keep you stuck in this state of helplessness. And I also think this can be these limiting beliefs from our core wounds. So, you know, even these beliefs like everyone's going to abandon me, I'm not lovable, I'm always going to be rejected, I'm never going to be chosen. Even in the episode with Beck Antonucci, when we spoke about STIs, she said, if you internalize a, 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 like an incorrect narrative about this situation, it can hold you hostage. This belief, you know, that it's, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you and it's going to ruin your life. The truth is, is when you start talking about it, you realize that it's so not a big deal and you're just going to be loved and valued for exactly who you are. And there are so many things that can keep us trapped in these spaces of learned helplessness, both emotionally, but also physically, you know, with people literally like feeling like they can never get out of the life they're in. So I think that's so important. And yeah, the emotional invalidation piece is absolutely huge. You know, Gabor Mate said that his mother gave him away in the first eight weeks of his life because he was living in a war zone. She did that for him to save his life, but his nervous system felt like he'd been betrayed by his mother and he'd been abandoned and I also wanted to ask you if the same thing applies to silence, because the more and more work that I do in this space, I'm, I'm learning like silence in the childhood home is so incredibly damaging because if you live in silence in a family where you're not taught to express your emotions, what else can the child do with the emotions? Like if they're not taught that they're welcome to communicate them outwards or they're not taught how to communicate them outwards, they suppress it inwards. And then maybe they shut down and they're just like, nope, nope, I'm not going to communicate. I don't even know how to do it. 
So you grow into an adult that doesn't know how to communicate and you just end up in these relationships where there's no communication either with yourself or outside of you. So do you think that silence in the family home can also be connected to being shifted into the freeze response in adulthood? Yeah. So, I mean, silence is again, um, you know, not able to express your emotions. And if we don't know how to hold our emotions or express them, they get stored in our nervous system. That creates that chronic activation of the nervous system and that chronic dysregulation of the nervous system. So a huge aspect of mental, emotional, physical wellness is being able to actually hold our emotions and express our emotions and freely be able to process our emotions. And again, that's one of the biggest aspects when it comes to moving into this dysregulated space is that we just didn't know how, or it just became a chronic activation of this is where it feels safe for me because my emotions feel unsafe. And so you're completely right. Okay. So let me just get into a couple of other ones that people don't realize that can push them into this free state. So one of them is, you know, medical traumas. And this is actually really big. So people who have experienced, you know, traumatic medical interventions or chronic medical conditions, you know, they adopt this freeze response as a way to cope with the feelings of vulnerability or the loss of control. So think about going to the dentist as a child. You're being strapped into this chair and having drilling in your teeth and, you know, you're unable to escape from this feeling, you know, the noises, the smells, or maybe you're, you know, a woman and you're getting your pap smear taken and this is traumatizing to you and you hold this trauma in the nervous system. And a lot of these medical traumas can impact us and the way, you know, we move into this free state or unable to get out of this free state. And finally, one of the biggest connections of freeze and, you know, that depression-like state is lack of purpose. This is so big here. And so it's so important to understand that this lack of purpose can lead us into prolonged state of emotional and psychological stasis. And, you know, that resembles functional freeze. And so here we experience loss of motivation, emotional numbing, you know, avoidance. We start to withdraw and we have immobility and we are just trying to survive the day, day in and day out. So imagine this, if you desire passion and you desire real love and you don't have it, we learn to push our desires down and you know, we learn to not admit them. So if you are not living in an alignment with who you are and what you actually want in your life, you know, that inauthentic life leaves you feeling numbed out because you can't deal with the stress of those feelings. Yep. And we said all the time, like I say all the time, I'm making less money than I've ever made, but I have never felt more filled up with passion and purpose and connection doing this podcast, talking with people that message me every single day, sharing my pain that I have gone through and it turning into my purpose. And you know, before that I was a lawyer. I literally hated every single second of it. Then I ran a marketing agency, which I loved, but it was full of stress. And the only purpose was to make money. So shifting towards that purpose has been huge for me. And I know you, you know, you are helping so many people with the work that you do as well. And also bringing your pain and turning it into purpose. And I think that as we come to wrap up, I, I want, people to understand that that is possible. You know, you might be listening to this thinking, I have gone through so much. You guys have no idea. I went through this as a child, this as an adult, this happened, illness, sickness, trauma. 
Some people feel like they got dealt a really shitty hand in life. Some people feel like there is no way out. That's the learned helplessness that Sarah's spoken about. If you are listening to this and you feel like that, I want you to understand that we have also been there. Sarah and I have hit the lowest of the low with both of our individual health journeys, attachment journeys, you know, chronic pain, everything. But the moment that we realized that our pain could be turned into purpose, it was a huge turning point in both of our lives. And if that is the only thing that you take from today's episode, which I know it won't be because there's a million and one things that I know people are going to take, but I hope it is that healing can happen when you turn your pain into purpose. And, you know, this is a long episode today. That's why we're going to do our part two on how to get out of freeze mode. Now, the reason we did not jump into that straight away is you cannot just jump out of freeze mode because you have to understand what is going on before you can make the changes that can help you shift out of it. So that is going to be one of our next episodes. We're also going to be launching our resources, like I said, on the cheat sheet, the ultimate guide, everything you need to know to get your body out of freeze. Further down the line, we're also going to be releasing somatic therapy videos, shaking, trauma release, all of the things that I do every day. I was like, I was joking with Sarah before this episode. I'm like, yeah, I'll be going to get a coffee. And then I'll literally realize like, oh my God, I have to shake. And I'll just be stood in the middle of the kitchen, like shaking. And it's really funny because when you understand about this stuff, you just kind of start to lose the shamelessness. You're like, oh my God, I have to shake. My body is stressed. So we're going to help you with all of that. But Sarah, Thank you. I mean, this has been such a comprehensive episode. I feel like, honestly, some people will go to school for six months to learn what you have communicated to us in this episode. It is going to be so revolutionary for people that think they are depressed, for people that do not have joy or light or life or hope in their life. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Louise. I'm again, I want to express how happy I am to be able to spread this information because it's so much critical information that people need to take in to be able to actually heal themselves and, you know, be the best vibrant versions of themselves that they can be. I just feel very grateful to be on this podcast and be able to, you know, start educating people further into this. So thank you. My absolute pleasure. We feel so very grateful to have you. So thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and help with us. I know you're going to be helping so many people. And most of all, I'm so excited for some people to be like, oh my God, I thought I was depressed. And actually, maybe my nervous system was in freeze. That for me was a huge wake up call. And it also made sense why I haven't been depressed my whole life because I would always shift into it and I shift out of it. And that makes total sense why, because you have just really explained everything so coherently. So thank you so much. Thank you to everyone listening. If you did resonate with this episode, please share it on with someone that does suffer from low moods, lethargy. They're struggling in life because I really think that this series is going to be helping them. And particularly for those who cannot get access to a therapist or really any kind of doctor or medical help to help them understand what is truly going on below the surface. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you to everyone listening. And thank you, Universe, for bringing us all together to be on this journey together. I will see you next episode. 